The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This will also, of course, be your weekend episode. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And today, as all recent Fridays have been, is going to be a playoff, actual basketball-focused episode. We'll take a little bit of a mental break from burying ourselves in fantasy basketball analysis. We'll save that through Monday through Thursday of next week. By the way... Uh, had a couple of questions come in about what we're going to be doing with our offseason after we work our way through the Yahoo end-of-season ranks and what that means for our draft strategy going into next year. And the short answer is, that's team breakdown time. And that'll almost get us to free agency. Not quite this year. Free agency is a bit later. Normally, it's at the beginning of July. But uh, that'll bridge most of that gap, actually. We'll be doing one or two teams per day, so that'll be at least, I would think, three weeks, probably a little bit more, because some of the time we get uh, even more than sort of nose-in book on these things. And there's a lot to talk about, because I think one of the things that probably could have been a lesson learned from a season gone by that we can kind of apply in our season in review stuff, uh, or team in review stuff, is that the plans or the arc for a particular team should have some kind of bearing on the player's fantasy values, or at least where we're looking at drafting these guys. So uh, we'll we'll take that into consideration under advisement, as they say. Uh, and that'll be the next thing we talk about after the Yahoo stuff. But right here at the outset, I want to thank everybody that continues to listen through our offseason. Again, you guys are the reason that we're able to afford to do these things. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not... Uh, if there were no listeners in the offseason, we also wouldn't have any advertisers, and that would make life somewhat complicated. But you do, so we do. Terrific. I think I said I'm Dan Vespers. If I didn't, I'm Dan Vespers. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do check out Hoopball Tweets. Hoopball Tweets. And also, shout out to our off-season premium content. The Fantasy Pass still going strong here with Dynasty content. We will have our way-too-early hoop ball rankings coming out probably next week for premium subscribers. So if you've got one of those, let it ride. If you don't, you can actually jump back in now uh, in the non-six-month commitment window. So there are actually reasons to come aboard earlier than draft season uh, you don't get yourself locked in. Although, if you're planning on using this stuff all season long, then I guess it doesn't really matter all that much either way. But that's all over at hoop-ball.com, hoop-ball.com, the website. Check out the premium stuff and check out all the free stuff while you're at it. Also, secondary shout-out here at the beginning of the show to the guys over on the DFS team. They've been cranking weekends two, seven days a week. DFS Today is the name of their podcast. They have one every single day. That is totally free. Mike and Santino running that operation. Fantastic DFS show, and it's a great thing to try in the playoffs, although admittedly now there, there are only two games a day. It's a little bit tougher, but this is when 
you don't have full season fantasy stuff going on, you can dive in on the DFS stuff. So that, again, is DFS today. You can uh, probably just find that through whatever you're using to listen to this podcast. But please keep listening to me. I'm a flailing narcissist at the moment who needs my listeners in the offseason. So let's talk about some basketball, shall we? This is the uh, largely fantasy-free Friday. There you go. There's your alliterative name for the show. I want to break down what happened yesterday and have a, a look through the weekend. We also have a bit of an update on series prices if you're looking at betting into some of this stuff. So we'll uh, we'll take a peek at some of those things as well. And let's just get things going. Last night, Milwaukee beat Brooklyn 86-83. Behind 35 from overachieving suddenly Chris Middleton. 33 from, I would argue, underachieving Giannis Antetokounmpo who missed most of his free throws, had only two assists. Milwaukee only had 12 total assists in the ballgame, and they got out by the skin of their teeth. I mean, if Joe Harris doesn't have an epically poor game shooting, the Nets go up three games to nothing. I am floored at how this series has gone. Not necessarily just because the Nets are up 2-1, to because that was a predictable outcome after three games. They won their two home games. Milwaukee's won their home game. So a 2-1 to Nets edge was quite predictable. What I didn't see coming was some of the lowest scoring games for Milwaukee uh, ever. Basically, not ever, but I mean in the modern NBA era. The Nets are doing something to the Bucs that makes what the Heat did to the Bucs last year look like child's play. And I don't fully understand... Even as I'm watching the games, I'm looking at it like, why aren't you doing this, Milwaukee? And it's like anything but a Giannis isolation. Why is there so much Giannis isolation going on? There were so many missed shots in this ballgame, so many makeable missed shots, that when you look towards the next one, which is not until Sunday, so they do have a little bit of a layoff here, Brooklyn is now favored by a point. Bucks were favored, I believe, by two or three in that last one. They uh, Three and a half, it went up by the time the game started. I think it was two and a half or three. But the line was very close to it. Shifting back the other direction, the total coming down from 234 to 229, I'm still looking at this and scratching my dome that we haven't seen more effective offense from Milwaukee. It shouldn't be this straightforward, especially on a Brooklyn team that's not that great defensively. They're not. They haven't been all year. They're not just magically going to get there in the playoffs. They're starting Blake Griffin at center, people. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. They're somehow covering all the things, and Drew Holiday's bit was not good in that ballgame yesterday. But, by the way, kudos to uh, Coach Bud for finally playing his starters 44 minutes in a playoff game. I mean, for bleep's sake, it took this long. And if you don't, they probably lose that game. If you ever look and wonder, hey, what, do, what does playing your good players more actually mean? Well, probably a win in this one. I know Giannis wasn't great, but he was sure as you know what, a lot better than throwing out Pat Connaughton for an extra couple of minutes in that one. But I, I look towards the next ball game on Sunday, and here's one thing that's worth noting. Even if you adjust for pace, this game still would have gone under. The expectation was that the teams would be so good offensively that they would overperform the pace of the basketball game. But this is actually a low turnover game, a slow game with ugly shooting. 
It was a rebound. It was a good transition defense. And it was bad shots. And not that many fouls either. Milwaukee took 19 foul shots. Brooklyn only took eight. All of that stuff is going to adjust upward in the next ballgame. My question is, will it adjust upward enough? Because 229 is still a pretty big number. Especially after, when you look at just general pace of this ballgame, total probably should have been around 215. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. But if these two teams actually shoot, I mean, you could take this ballgame and you could add... I mean, Brooklyn shot 36%, Milwaukee shot 38%. If you adjust both of those up by like 8 or 9% on both teams, you're talking about about 6 to 7 made shots on both sides. That's a lot. If you add in any free throws, then you're really cooking with gas. Uh, but again, I mean, you're talking about probably a 30-point jump just from field goal percent alone. But as I mentioned, pace-wise... It wasn't there. So what if, what if they overachieve? Well, it would have to be a decent amount. Just, again, based looking on the pace of this last ball game, even a slight overachieve, and this is a significant underachieving, mind you. I mean, they didn't, they didn't come close. Brooklyn was uh, uh, some 22-ish points under what the pace would have dictated on a normal average offensive performance. And Milwaukee was like 23-ish under an average. So, like, again, you adjust this up by 45. What did I say? About 45 points from 169. You're still only getting into that two-teens range. Can it get to 229? Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to need a whole bunch of free throws, and you're going to need the ball game to go faster. It's as simple as that. Did the teams make the defensive adjustments that they needed to make? Have have we seen? Is it all jump shots? Is that what's is that how this thing is going to work now? I, I just I it's unfathomable to me that Milwaukee can't get stuff at the rim the way that they should be able to against a team that has almost no interior defense in Brooklyn. Their, their rim protection is almost non-existent. So the Bucks got to get this thing figured out. I keep deluding myself into thinking that they're going to. Uh, although they did at least win this ball game. Meanwhile, in the other one, uh, my leans on the late game yesterday were basically a splitsville. Uh, I had the over, said that one was going to go over because the teams are going to be bombing three-pointers. I said, you might see both teams hit 23s. Well, only Utah got there, and it was a bit of it was a bit hyperbolic to suggest they'd both get to 23-pointers, but there were plenty, and they are really shooting they are bombing away from downtown. So Utah vastly overachieved in this ballgame, despite missing a lot of free throws, actually. Clippers actually did an okay job themselves. They were uh, a hair over the expected final outcome. They made their free throws, and that's kind of why they got there. If they could have shot the ball a little bit better, that would have done the trick. As I look towards the next ballgame, this one's shifting back to L.A., Clippers were generally down Utah would go up by 10 Clippers would fight it back down to four Utah would go back up by 10 again this is the lone game happening tomorrow on Saturday Clippers are a four and a half point home favorite that's actually a relatively large number to expect them to to hit uh but I will note this that if Mike Conley's still out I don't know that you can expect the non-Donovan Mitchells to be as good in a game on the road in L.A. But I do think you'll get more out of Kawhi Leonard 
I don't know. You're not getting any more than that out of Reggie Jackson, but you can see the difference he made. Paul George was, again, okay, largely because of the free throw line, but he was a little bit better there. I, you know, I, the Clippers haven't, they haven't hit that gear defensively. They're, they're sort of just letting the Jazz take a whole bunch of three-pointers, and they made them all. I mean, this game would, could have spun 15, 20 points if Utah doesn't shoot, if Utah doesn't make 23-pointers. I, I get it. That's their thing. Clippers are going to go small in this game. They're going to go small. They're going to spread the floor, and they're going to force Rudy Gobert to make rotations out to the three-point line. Clippers actually missed quite a few open threes in the fourth quarter. So this was a this game really could have swung more than it appeared as though it was, if you're watching it in real time. So my take is, I don't think I know about the Clippers covering four and a half. 223 and a half is interesting because I do think LA probably scores the ball better. Uh, Utah is going to be bombing away. I don't think they're going to score as much on the Jazz side. So I would actually look maybe back towards the under just a little bit, especially as games slow down late um, and ever so slightly into the Clippers covering the four and a half points. I do think you see a slowdown from the Jazz role players. And uh, those missed three-pointers are going to turn into better looks. Clippers are going to start making some of theirs. But I don't think any of these games is going to be all that wide of a gap because Gobert is so good defensively that the only way to beat the Jazz by a bunch of points is to have one of those really good shooting games. Tonight on the docket, and uh, again, you know, there's only four series to analyze, so we've already gone through two of them. Tonight on the docket, af- by the way, after we talk about the next game in each of these series, we're going to take a, a peek at the series prices. Philly is in Atlanta. That ball game actually starts pretty soon from our uh, recording time, about two, two and a half hours from now. Sixers, one and a half point road favorites, total of 224 and a half. These two teams last played on Tuesday, so a long layoff which I believe benefits the Sixers more than it does the Hawks because we know Joel Embiid is sort of perma-questionable right now. Giving him two off days is good for his knee. And he's going to dunk on people. Joel Embiid is going to be a a crazy force. If he's healthy enough to play this entire ballgame and log his 37 to, to 40 minutes or whatever it turns out to be, Philly should win this game. There isn't that much Atlanta can do outside of getting really hot on jump shots to compete with what the 76ers can do, which is to bust open Atlanta's defense using Joel Embiid as a battering ram. It's going to be a good ball game, though. This is this is like your prototypical game three with a series tied 1-1. I think Philly probably takes it late. I know that's a bit more of the public side, but that's the way I'm leaning. In terms of the total, 224.5. We already talked about that last one. Philly was able to grind this thing into a half-court deal. And they put up a buck 18, but they did it because they shot 53%. Do we think they can shoot 53% again? I think it's a very good question. Atlanta could have put up more points, if not for the fact that they had 17 turnovers. That was their big issue in the ballgame, because otherwise the Hawks did a much better job at the free throw line. Sixers were bad at the foul line, so they could actually score a little bit more. That last one was at 220, went under the total of 225.5. This one's been adjusted down ever so slightly. Generally, as series go on, you see more defensive adjustments than offensive ones. So I would lean slightly to the under, but not by much, because I do think Atlanta at home has a better opportunity to dictate the pace a little bit. They want to open it up 
can Philly stay focused in a road environment on slowing the ball game down? That's your handicapping question mark. If they can, Philly and the under is a great correlated parlay. If they can't, Hawks and the over is a great correlated parlay. And finally, Philly, or excuse me, Phoenix, we got fee and foe on the uh, the uh, acronym tracker here. Or not acronym, I guess it's abbreviation. Fee and foe. Foe is in Denver. I guess it'd be pho if we were doing a noodle soup. Denver favored by two points, total of 223. And the Nuggets have been real bad. Real bad. Phoenix put up a buck 23 in the last ball game. Nuggets scored 98, or that game would have gone sailing over the total. How bad can the Nuggets possibly be back at home? I don't think they're slowing down the Suns very much. Phoenix has shown a pretty damn strong ability to get buckets when they need them. They got lots of open looks in this series so far. And I know Michael Malone got on his guys, so I think you'll see better defensive energy from Denver. And then the question is, where do things cancel out? I think Phoenix might win another ball game here. Um, There's just sort of this expectation that the Nuggets are going to win a game because it's game three, they're down 2-0, they're back home, all the things need to shift. Uh, I, I don't think Phoenix takes their foot off the gas in in this one. I think they know Chris Paul could use as much rest as humanly possible. His shoulder's certainly getting close to being right, if not completely right now. And there's no reason to give a team... I, 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 there's a Chris Paul element to not losing focus for a game either. Line, I think, is pretty good. Denver by two is a good line. You're going to get a, a Chris Paul, Nikola Jokic half-court battle in the fourth quarter who can score the most in, in scripted sets. And for that reason, I think I would look, phew, I guess, back at the under. Could it possibly go any faster on the Phoenix side? Yeesh. I got to tell you guys, I don't, I don't have a great feel for the pace of this upcoming ball game. I really don't. The pace of the previous two has been okay, not blinding, but okay. And it's really been about Denver not hitting their shot. So you say, all right, well, what if they made a couple of buckets? Should the ball game go over? Yeah, but I don't think Phoenix scores a buck 20 again in this one. So I think the line is pretty good on this ball game. I think you see Denver and Phoenix both around 108 to 112 when this ball game comes to an end. And so then it really does come down to, you know, if the, if the two teams hit a couple of shots, like you might bet the overthinking of overtime. Series prices. We got a minute, and all four series prices are available to us right now because there are no games in action, and they haven't had time to readjust them. Sixers minus 220 in their series against Atlanta. Remember we told you guys to wait. Bet the Sixers after game one. They were at minus 130. The price is now gotten too high if the Hawks win game three it'll depend a little bit on how the ball game looks tonight but I think if it's like a oh you know Embiid at a bad shooting game or one of those little fluky things where you can point at and go hmm reversion to the mean you say then I might consider getting back down on the Sixers again if they're trailing two games to one if not I'm probably leaving this thing alone Suns are at minus 850 I'm not touching that thing with a 10-foot pole Nuggets at plus 600 also, I mean, that's a great value, but they're they're almost definitely not winning this series unless Chris Paul gets hurt. And even then, I'm not sure that they would. The two remaining series that I hadn't talked about yet on the series price, those are the ones I think you've probably got a little bit of value. 
I mentioned taking a very small bet on the Bucks when they were down two games to nothing, uh, which means I'd feel a little bit dumb getting on Milwaukee now at plus 305 when they were like plus 580 before that last ball game in some places. So probably leaving that one alone. If Bucks go down three games to one in their next one, then they're just cooked and you and you abandon ship. If Milwaukee ties the game up, you might be able to find some interesting lines in that series price. Meanwhile, I, I got in on the Clippers down one game to none, now down two games to none. I might take a, a quarter unit at plus 325. I, I do still think the Clippers have a really good shot of coming back to win this series. As good as Utah has looked so far, last night, Thursday night's ball game was one that for not, if not for an anomaly of a three-point shooting night, and I know Utah is really good from downtown. Make no mistake, they're an excellent three-point shooting team. But there were a lot of fading, pull-up, like somewhat guarded. Not all of them were guarded. I mean, there were plenty of wide-open shots. But that was a game, I, I don't know, You get? did you guys watch that game live on Thursday night? I got to see a lot of it. I missed a bunch of the early game because that's when a lot of family stuff is going on. But the late game, kids are asleep by like 9 o'clock here Pacific time. So like most of the second half and even some small tidbits of the first half because that game got a real late start. That game really just came down to who hit three-pointers. Marcus Morris, Paul George, Kawhi, all these guys were just banging three-pointers off the side of the rim in the fourth quarter. And the Jazz came down and Boyan Bogdanovich hit one fading to his left, and Donovan Mitchell threw one up and it like, seemed like it cleared some of the rafters before coming back down and dropping through. Jordan Clarkson was lava hot, and we know how that can turn on and off like a faucet. If you flip that game last night by like two three-pointers, one team makes one, one team misses one, the game is, di- is completely different. It's a six-point final. I mean, Clippers make one, Jazz miss one. It's a tie game. And that's why I still like the Clippers. I think if you're L.A., you go back, you're in the locker room like, we just we just took the haymaker, man. And I said this on, and I, I really can't remember where it was because I did an appearance with my buddy Gil. I did, I did an appearance with uh, Joe O. And then I did my own show. And then I just talk about betting with people on the side from time to time. But I I said something. I think it was on BetQL when I did an appearance there. I said, look, the one thing for the Clippers is there's going to be a game in here where the Jazz go completely bananas from three-point land, and you just don't want to be down two games to none or on the brink of elimination when it happens. And it happened. You saw it. We all saw it last night. Utah shot 55% for the ball game. Many of them were three-pointers. So that's why I look at that series, and I'm not convinced that Utah's running away with it. It is a very close two games to nothing series so far. Jazz shot 18. Excuse me, I gotta make sure I get this thing right. Where's where's my Jazz postseason? 23 pointers in. Why isn't this working? Come on, website, you can do this. Figure this thing out. Let's go. Well, he tried. All you can say is that he tried. There we go. Yeah, stick and listen to that on air. Jazz shot 51% from downtown. They had a game where they did that against Memphis. They went 17 for 34. Guess what? They won it. It was one of the road games. The game the Jazz lost in the playoffs so far. They're, they're uh, 
six and one was when they shot 26% from downtown. The other one they almost lost against the Clippers game one, they shot 34% from downtown. So it is really all about whether or not the, con- the mildly contested three-pointers are dropping. Because the other stuff is relatively even on a night-to-night basis. So yeah, throw a quarter unit on the Clippers at plus 325. I think they win this next one. And I do I think they win that going away? No, we already talked about that game on, on uh, Saturday. But a couple three-pointers here and there. Role players shift. This is why the bubble playoff betting was like the easiest betting we've ever done in our lives. Because there were no court adjustment factors. You never had to think, oh, well, it's shifting back to Atlanta. The pace is going to pick up. It's shifting back to L.A. The pace is going to slow down. You didn't have to worry about those. Oh, it's, it's shifting back to Philadelphia, so Seth Curry's going to make six three-pointers. Last year in the playoffs, you got what you got. The teams that were the most focused were the teams on a night-to-night basis that controlled the game. You didn't have to worry about anything else. It was the exact same environment every single ballgame. So the only thing you had to think about was what adjustments the teams were making between ballgames. They had their practice day, and then they came back and played another one two days later. And we cleaned up, particularly on totals, because without court swapping and pace changes, you could just say, okay, well, all right, here's the adjustment that uh, the Lakers are going to make to uh, account for Denver packing the paint. We're going to assume the Lakers are going to be a little bit more efficient offensively. Let's Let's adjust up the total by six points. Boom. Or whatever other series you were talking about. Oh, okay, here's what Toronto is doing, and this is what blah, blah, blah. Like, you could you could almost game plan the the next ball game. All you had to do was see what happened in the previous one, and we got to watch all of them because they were just happening from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. <laughs> Families be damned. We had a lot of hours in the middle of the day where you could just watch basketball and study what teams were trying to do. Numbers are great, but watching the film, that's where you get your huge edge if you're actually betting this stuff. If you're not, just enjoy it. All right, we'll put a pin in this thing now. A quick little half-hour weekend show. Pivot back into fantasy on Monday. We got plenty more to talk about on the uh, the Yahoo front. The, the back 50 of the top 100 is where we're getting to in our next program. Uh, again, reminder, folks, that we have all sorts of really good stuff going on at hoop-ball.com. And please do check out the guys over at DFS today. They're, they're working their butts off seven days a week on the premium articles and on the free, free, free podcast DFS today. Those guys uh, deserve your listen. And it's only like 20-minute shows right now for them because there's two games they're breaking down, and they're getting you set up to win some DFS bucks. It's real money. I don't know why I called it DFS bucks. It's real money. But, yeah, anyway. You catch my meaning there. Hey, last request here before we hit the weekend. Please do let me know if you're thinking about throwing a, a couple of shekels on a ball game over at mybookie.ag. I'd love to get you a prize. Promo code there at sign up is hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Very easy. doesn't give you any kind of confirmation when it happens, but if you do it right, then you'll have a bunch of different deposit bonuses unlocked should you go that direction. But don't get that far. Tell me first because I've got a prize for you. Uh, did have a piece of N- NBA injury news that I almost forgot to mention, unrelated to the playoffs. Pascal 
Siakam underwent shoulder surgery, and he's expected to be sidelined for five months, which means November, which means maybe in the second month of the NBA season. Oh, by the way, we have the NBA schedule. Talk about burying a lead. I hope you guys didn't turn the podcast off before we got to this. We have the NBA schedule. Not the actual game-by-game, game, but when things are happening. Training camp starts on September the 28th. The regular season starts October 19th, ladies and gentlemen. October 19th. It's the third Tuesday of the month. We are back to normal. Woo! Love it. Playoffs begin on April the 16th. Finals next year start on June 2nd. Hot damn. And the draft next year is back at June 23rd. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Although it does mean that we will have a slightly shorter offseason once again. Because the finals this year are in uh, July. So August, September, October. I only got that three-month offseason for the teams in the finals. That's... You're going to have a little bit of that quick turnaround again. Whoever makes the finals, Suns, is it going to be the Suns? Is it going to be the Jazz? Is it going to be the Nuggets? Or not, yeah, not going to be the Nuggets. Is it going to be the Clippers? Will the Nets make the finals? Sure looks like it right now. What about the Sixers? Yeah, you might want to start thinking about which of the guys on those teams was already a little bit beat up and a short offseason. Start checking off names. Which is great, because we're going to be targeting the crap out of Jason Tatum. I keep saying that, and I'll say it every, basically to every episode until now, until draft day. Okay, that'll be that. Oh, by the way, you're not drafting Pascal Siakam. So, don't even ask. If you ask, I will electronically slap you through the computer. I'm Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great weekend, everybody. Monday, diving back into the rankings. Can't wait. Can you? This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.